Hey, drama listeners, happy Wednesday. It's Connor here, and I am so happy that you're here for another week of drama. It literally means the world to us. But before we get into the regular main feed episode, I want to plug our Patreon, patreon.com backslash the drama podcast, where for $5 a month, you support the pod, our creative endeavors, everything to help this train rolling along the track. I feel like I said along weird there, but it's quirky and love me through it, please. Um, okay, so you get extra bonus episodes on the Patreon. You get access to our Instagram close friends, and you make us the happiest twins in the whole world. So thank you so much for your support. Can't wait for you to hear this episode with Jordan Donica. It's it's dynamic and thrilling and intimate and emotional and exciting and got me so stoked to go see Camelot. So thanks for your love. Go sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com backslash the drama podcast, and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you want to. And enjoy the show. We love you. Bye. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. And suddenly I'm back in Columbus. Wait, I'm staring at myself in the Zoom and I think I want to have my eyebrows lifted. I look sleepy. Do people do that? I think so. I think like Real Housewives do it. But I, they look so like low set. I feel like they could be raised in a way. I, don't people just kind of get like Botox or something and then it lifts it? I don't know. I yeah. think that's part of it. Yeah. But mm. <laughs> our guest has... Honestly, a lovely distance between his eyes and eyebrows, and I'm a little mm-hmm. jealous. I'm sure this is thrilling for our audio-based listenership <laughs> to be hearing about. But anyway, Dylan, you were just here, and we got to see one of my most anticipated Broadway shows of the season, which yes. was A Doll's House. Shout out to our friend John King for hooking it up with Jessica Chastain as a star. Yeah, it was so such a unique experience for me. Because it's in this big Broadway theater, you know, the Hudson. They've had musicals there and whatnot. But it might have been one of the most intimate theater-going experiences I've ever had. Well, first of all, it starts out, well, I don't know. If, no, not, this isn't giving anything away because the production posted online. It begins with Mother Chastain sitting in a chair, <laughs> rotating in a circle, like, you know, just sort of staring out into the distance. She was so method with it. I loved it. She really was. She was dropped she was. in. She was so mother for that performance. Yes, you kept muttering mother throughout under your breath. I could hear it, but... (laughs) I did. I feel like even before the show started, I kept saying mother. Well, because she's there and everyone's sort of just like filtering in, you know, and and it's very in to have a pre-show these days. Oh, if you don't have a pre-show these days, people are kind of Mm -hmm. wondering, you know, what did I pay for for this (laughs) night? Even Anne Juliet kind of has one. They all kind of start dancing and mingling on stage, and yeah. which is something that our guest has seen. So that's our little point of reference. But it's <laughs> yeah. um, what's it up was, with the, it, what's up with pre-shows? There's not post-shows. Why is everyone trying to do a pre-show? <laughs> Maybe it's just a great way to like kind of get the audience settled faster because they see something's happening on stage. My favorite kind of theater is okay. It's intermission, but we want you to come on stage and have cornbread, or we want you to come on stage and jam with the band like in once or something like that. I feel like I feel like we need at least one show a season that ha- invites hmm. the audience on stage. I guess 
maybe in quote unquote in COVID, they don't do that anymore. But I guess the drama is there's like no more COVID funding or testing on Broadway, which is kind of insane. But I guess things had to change at some point. But also I feel complicated about it. Is that my dose of drama? Anyway, Dylan, what did you think of A Doll's <laughs> House? Do you recommend it? I recommend it to everyone. It is incredible. And I have never seen a more attentive theater audience in my life. Everything is sort of spoken at a, um, I don't want to say a whisper, but very conversationally. And so you kind of have to lean in. An urgent whisper. Urgent. And the cast was phenomenal. Jessica Chastain, I mean, she might be coming for a Tony fresh off of her Academy Award. So wouldn't that be we'll something? See. We'll see. It'd be something, really. Back to back metal. She deserves it. But okay, Dylan, there's so much to see this season. You're like, oh yeah, I probably won't be back till summer, but I have like 12 things on my list of things I want to see. And it's true because another highly anticipated production and a revival at that is- a revival nonetheless. Camelot. And we're we're talking to one of the stars today. So yes. I'm going to kick this off and bring him on in. Please do. All right. Our guest today is returning to Broadway this spring as Lancelot Duloc in Lincoln Center Theater's revival of Camelot. Having made a name for himself, immediately upon arriving on the scene, he made history as the first black man to play Raoul in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. He took his talents on the road in the West Coast companies of Hamilton, playing Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson to great acclaim. His Lincoln Center theater debut came in 2019 as Freddie Eisford Hill singing a lush rendition of On the Street Where You Live in My Fair Lady. This Indiana native has lent his gorgeous vocals to the Washington National Opera Gala at the Kennedy Center, the American Songbook Hall of Fame celebration, the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra, the Pasadena Symphony, and more. He starred as Rapunzel's Prince and Into the Woods at New York City Center, Jesus Christ Superstar, South Pacific, Romeo and Juliet, The Green Show, Dames at Sea, and beyond. On screen, you recognize him as Jordan Chase from the CW's Charmed, as well as in Blue Bloods. Please welcome to drama, Jordan, Jordan Donica. What's up? Hey, Hi. hey, hey. <laughs> thank you thank for that you. lovely introduction. My goodness. You're Hi. welcome. You, the pleasure you know, is all ours. I was preparing for this episode as I sometimes do and sometimes don't. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> when I found out how young you were and looking at your resume, I felt um I felt unaccomplished, I have to say. Oh, You're really amazing. Yeah. No, no, you're very accomplished. Look at us yes. here, being young adults. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you you were born in '94. I was. Yeah. Your Wikipedia wasn't lying. No, no, I was born in 1994, April 18th. Ooh, will you be in performances on your birthday this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll have just opened. Yeah, my birthday is on a day after a day off. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, so you could maybe celebrate the night before if you choose to. Yeah, my family will be in town, so I will, I'll be, I'm sure, like, go out to dinner with them, my Grammy and my mom and my sister and niece and nephew, so that'll be nice, that'll be really, really nice. Uh, one thing Wikipedia, I think, does get wrong, though, is I was born in Minnesota, I was not born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, Ooh. okay. No. Okay, yeah, but you went to school in Indianapolis, is that what it was? I, yeah, yeah, uh, like, the end of elementary school. I went to middle school and high school in Indianapolis. So like when people ask you where you're from, is that what you see say Indianapolis? No, I say everywhere, every, all over the Midwest, because all my earliest memories are from Tennessee, um, living okay. down in, in Spring Hill area. Um, yeah, that's where I, I like. I learned to speak with a very thick Southern accent. Um, can ask anyone in my family. It was, yeah, 
uh, yeah, I had a very thick accent when I was a child. When did you lose it? Uh, I can't really remember at this point. You're like, when I get drunk, it still comes out. So I still got uh, it. When I get very <laughs> emotional, yeah, mm. often all comes out. And also some of my word choices are very Southern. Y'all, and it's where my manners come from, is being down in the South. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Hold the door open for a lady. My mom actually used to like stand in front of doors and wait for me to hold them, like pull them open. And I was like, oh, I got you. I got you. Um, Etiquette training right there. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, But yeah, so Tennessee and then Indiana through like 17, 18 and Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. That's right. And is that is that New Albany or Upper Arlington that it's actually Westerville, Ohio, Westerville. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, so you probably went to graders a lot. And... I went to graders a lot. I had, I was a member. I went to Schneider's. I miss it dearly. If you don't know what Schneider's is, it's just across the street and like down half a block. It is the best donut you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> Shout out to Schneider's uh, Bakery. You can smell them. They open at like 1.30 every night. So like you smell them on campus. And I, I would stay awake on Thursdays and Fridays just to go there. I, that sense memory right there for you. I could just see you yeah. tingling about Fuck it. Going to a party. <laughs> Go get some donuts. Right. <laughs> Jordan, we like to check in with our guests, usually from the jump, and just ask you how you're doing. Are you well? Yeah, I think I'm well. I mean, who's well? What does well mean, really? Well. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, I, I'm. I'm not dealing with anything more or less than I think any other human. We all have our tribulations and things that we deal with, but that's life. And uh, I feel like I've been given pretty decent tools throughout the course of my life to be able to handle certain things. Obviously not everything. I'm not a, no one's perfect, but, Mm. uh, and I'm still figuring it out. But the fact that I feel like I'm figuring some things out, uh is that that makes me feel good so i i feel pretty well pretty on track and i'm definitely uh physically better than i have been in the past which is good Mm. i've dealt with some injuries in my life so um right now i feel good and my voice my spirit feels good my thoughts feel good um yeah just trying to be there for people and I'm pretty good at creating boundaries for myself and giving myself grace and taking care of myself first and foremost, um, which can be a hindrance sometimes, but (laughs) right now it's good. Right now it's good. Wow. I love it. And you get to spend all day with Andrew Burnap and Philippa Sue. So (laughs) yeah, I do say it again. (laughs) Say it again. People in the back. We, we absolutely love them. Everybody in this cast, um, the ensemble, the swings, the stage managers, everybody. I'm hard pressed to remember a time when a group of people has laughed so much, like in a, in a great sense, you know, in a very positive, mm-hmm. positive sense. I, I, I know we in the theater have a lot of fun often, but like this much has been, it's been a really joyous experience. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I was thrilled to see that you were returning to the production because you did, was it a gala or a, a concert or something like that a few years ago, pre-pandemic? Yeah, it was uh, four, it'll be four years ago in February, March, I think February. I mean, now 
it's February right now. Um, right. But, <laughs> That's uh, what a jarring thing to realize. Yeah. Wow. Time. What is it? <laughs> um, yeah. So back in 2019, um, yeah, it was one of the last things I did on stage before trying to get involved in, or not trying to, but getting involved because well, I was trying to get involved in uh, more TV and film work. Right. Uh, yeah. And we've been doing workshops for a while. And yeah, I've just been a part of it ever since the the gala. And it's I didn't know if it was something that was going to happen or not happen. Uh, wasn't something that I was necessarily planning on. But it's been a really um, joyous, cathartic, and emotional experience for me. Do you mind sharing why it's been an emotional and cathartic experience? Yeah, Um so I I was raised by a single mom. Uh, sorry, I'm very long-winded, so stop me if I... But uh, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, I have an older sister. And uh, I have two aunts, one that lives in Columbus in Clintonville. Mm-hmm. Shout out, mm-hmm. Uncle David. Um, <laughs> and then my, uh, my other aunt, um, my aunt Kathy, uh, lived in Indianapolis. And so I would spend every spring break as a child with her. And then like some time in the summer with her. And then when we moved to Indianapolis, I was seeing her like every day. She was, she was in, for me, like the second parent in my life. Yeah. And uh, she taught me so much as did my mom. And she was able to help me like have a deeper perspective on life. She was diagnosed with a very rare disease when I was very young um called pbc they just reclassified it it used to be class called primary biliary cirrhosis but now it's primary biliary something else with the c because it's not cirrhosis because it's a genetic disorder it's an auto uh, genetic autoimmune disorder that presents like cirrhosis but it isn't caused by severe alcoholism uh, like cirrhosis is uh so she lived with that for for a long time in my life and uh it's a, a disease that you know you can't really treat. Um, you can only like treat the symptoms. They don't really know much about it. It's very, very rare. And um, so, you know, even if she were to get a liver transplant, it would it wouldn't go away. It would come. It would eventually come back. So, she had some other health issues too. But all this is to say, you would never have known that if you knew this woman. She was an amazing, amazing, amazing human being. And. Uh, yeah, she was a huge reason why I was able to have access to the theater as a child. I, I grew up doing um, community theater. I started doing theater when I when we moved to Indianapolis because it was in the middle of a sports season and I wanted something to do. And I always would watch live performances and be like, well, that's something I can do. Like, I could do that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Interesting. Like, did Did you have like yeah. one specific one? I, I mean, a segment we do on the show is not to interrupt your other story, but we yeah, yeah, ask yeah. our guests about their the moment that did get them into it, the Ring of Keys moment, that kind of like light bulb performance or content they were consuming when they were like, oh, my God, I love the arts. This is I got to have yeah. this. I have several. It's something that like uh, I can I can think of several moments that like pushed me into doing this. And a lot of them involve kids outside of myself people like seeing something in me that was just a part of who i was and being like yo you could do that and i'm like nah but then like watching things and being like bored by what i'm watching but or or inspired by what i'm watching or thinking like i would because mm-hmm, i i i want to do that a different way and that makes me want to watch it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah 
that was just my mindset as a child with anything. So, but the ring of keys moments, one of them was uh, fiddler on the roof. I saw a national tour when we were living in Tennessee, my mom took me and then I like got up and played the next morning as I always did. But instead of playing power Rangers, I like put in the VHS tape of tapes of uh, fiddler on the roof and with topo. Yeah. Yeah. With topo. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I just played to that. I got the brooms out from the cupboard. <laughs> I used my banky as my shaw and used the couch as the roof and the, the whole the barn that he dances if I were a rich man in, you know. My dog was my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Uh, and then uh, I saw Phantom of the Opera for the first time on tour when I was nine. And uh, you hear the Phantom's voice. And like I, I felt like I saw the energy in the room totally change just from someone's voice. And um, I watched like the people in my row because as much as I watch things, I also watch people watching things, mm-hmm. and that's fascinating to me as watching the thing. And uh, I watched these other people in my row, these grown adults, lean forward and be intrigued. And that was something else that really blew my mind as a kid. It was like, why are these adults watching these other adults play pretend? Like I play pretend every every day with my friends. Like everyone <laughs> plays pretend. What this is interesting. Uh, but watching that and watching the power of what someone could do with just their voice, I learned. I leaned over to my cousin. And I was like, oh. I didn't say I want to do that one day. I said I'm gonna do that one day. And um, yeah, I made my mom put me in voice lessons, and she did. And um, you know, it was just another thing like a sport to keep me busy. Also, as a kid, you know. When you raise a single mom, you need things to do. So that's why I did everything. And so was Aunt Kathy pretty into taking you to shows as well when you... Well, so Aunt Kathy wasn't necessarily much into the taking of, but this is where, again, the support and access comes in. Because I was raised by a single mom, like she didn't always have the time or the means to be able to take me or to drive me, you know, at five o'clock to an audition for a children's chorus in a community theater show. But my mom, my aunt, uh, because of where she was at um, in her life at that time, was able to do that and um, had the means to do that because she had worked herself to a, she was a senior vice president at a major international insurance company. So she, yeah, an amazing woman, graduated from college in her 30s. Um, also my cousin who is my sister's age. Sorry. I, I could get to my whole, how much I love my family and talk about them all night, but that's special. That's so great. Yeah. And they, uh, there were a whole bunch of women who had a boy for the first time and didn't know what to do with them. So they did everything. And, uh, <laughs> I remember going to my first audition with my aunt. Uh, it was Joseph, the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Uh, no, I, I had done like some school things down in Tennessee, but this was like a, at a theater in, in Indianapolis and, you know, I was the only kid who didn't have a headshot or a resume or anything like that. Like, I was just going to sing something a cappella from the from the radio. Like, who cares? And my aunt was like, you know, don't freak out if this doesn't go your way. Like, just have fun. These kids are obviously do this. Like, and I was like, well, I don't care. And that that kind of attitude has followed me through like <laughs> yeah. to today. Like, as long as I'm having fun and enjoying myself, like I don't really care, but <laughs> having, the dis- having the discipline from sports taught me how to get better and actually apply myself in a way that uh, it was more than just fun, but also like challenge my- myself so that I can always grow. Um, and that was something that my aunt taught me. Cut to um, Camelot, 
my aunt came uh, with my mom uh, and my aunt Kim came. So it was like all three sisters coming to New York. And um, that was in February of 2019. And uh, yeah, my aunt Kathy passed away two months later in April. And uh, I had called her. I was visiting my girlfriend at the time down in um, BC. Um, she's amazing and does a lot of work down there. And I don't know, I, I felt something in me and I, I decided to call my auntie and I called her up. And for the first time in my life, she sounded different and down. And and so I called my mom and asked if she had seen her and she hadn't uh, because I said, because my aunt asked me what like my plan was. I was like, I'm going to go out to L.A., for audition season do some auditions and blah blah blah. and she's like well I get and she said well I guess I'll see you when I see you which is not which was not a response that she ever gave so um, I bought a ticket home and uh, I went to Indianapolis I arrived on my birthday and I like she liked me to look a certain way so I I did and I, I like just surprised her and I just showed up she was in the hospital and she was working in her hospital bed, like completely, <laughs> like she seemed completely fine. Cause that's what I mean. Like outside of knowing her as intimately as I did, like no one would have known, but she almost passed a couple times in my presence um, in, in the past. So I was, we were always in tune with each other. So I just showed up and I spent my birthday with her. And then I spent the next two weeks with her in the hospital uh, my cousin Melissa and I would alternate every other night. Uh, we would she, we would always spend like the day together, and then one of us would stay the night. Then the next night, the other we would switch. And then she passed away, and the she passed away at like five o'clock in the morning, and um, uh, my appendix burst as it was happening. Yeah, and so then I was in surgery, uh, like eleven, and um, yeah. Then I moved out to L.A. Uh, I did some auditioning and uh, self-taping at home, at, well, in Indianapolis, and um, waited for the um, memorial service and then went out to uh, L.A. because I, I got a screen test, actually, for a TV show uh, from one of those auditions. And uh, that always seems to happen to me when I have, like, a major life incident or a major injury that, like... I do some auditions during that time and I really, again, just don't give a fuck. I'm just doing it to kind, <laughs> right. of, to kind of distract myself from the reality of my own life. And they end up going really well. And um, so I went out to LA for that. Yeah. I stayed out there and one of my best friends came out and we, we stayed in a house together and the woman I was dating at the time came out and it was a magical time, but it was a very hard time. And, uh, mm -hmm. but from that side, I, I, I stayed in my car, a couple nights and uh because i had to ha cancel some gigs that i had already lined up because i sing a lot of symphony shows and i wasn't allowed to at that time so um i was just kind of struggling and living the life and then i booked charmed and had to go to canada and i lost my passport twice and yada yada you know just i was in the shit yes the shit. yes but but then like you know i was achieving great things career-wise but like my life was kind of in the shit yeah but that's my life. And I was just struggling through it and it's all good. Um, and then COVID hit and, uh, yeah, I was able to work through that and, and everything. So all that is to say is Camelot was <clears throat> my, my relationship to the stage is very much tied to my relationship with my aunt 
Camelot was the last thing that she saw me in. The biggest part of me wanting to do this has everything to do with her and um, seeing something through to the end, uh, which is uh, hard to do. And um, uh, yeah, I want to do it for, for her. Because of that, my, my papa just died the day after Thanksgiving, two days after my aunt's birthday. And uh, one of the first things my Grammy said was, I'll get to see you perform again. So she's now going to come to the opening night of Camelot. And, um, you know, you got to look for the little blessings in life. Right. And and that that to me is what this, and when I say this is a cathartic and emotional experience for me, it's just because... Um, like I didn't, I could have cared less for a while about acting or singing and being on the stage. And I just stopped singing for a long time. And even when I did like the, like I was faking it, you know, but I don't feel that way anymore. And I, I feel I've, I've, because I've been able to uh, heal as a person uh, and grow as a person. Um, now I'm stepping into like a different phase of my life and uh, trying to honor that love that I had and that I received, which was very beautiful and something that I, I know not everyone gets to experience that young in life. So I'm just trying to live in that. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing a- about that. I know that, you know, grief is something that everyone experiences and loss and whatnot, but it's it's so vulnerable to talk about it. And I And I can see the way that it you know, has affected you. And I, I think it's very special that you're continuing with this project. Have you felt any, like, I don't know how spiritual you are or anything, but have you felt any, any signs or feelings from Aunt Kathy during this process yet? Or? Uh, I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say so. I have a very spiritual family in, in a lot of ways. I love philosophy. I love spirituality. I love studying religions. I've done it my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't know barely practice one which you know pisses off everybody who does Um, (laughs) you're in good company you're in good company here yeah yeah great great but uh yeah i had a dream once because everybody it seemed like for a while there everybody in my family was having moments and i i don't i'm not one to force to or to try to force moments or anything like that but i did i have had two dreams about her um, and they were like very settling and beautiful. And I'll always remember them. I wrote them down, but I also, they're just so searing. And and one of them, uh, and as she just said to me, and this is what I mean in trying, like uh, it helped me to move forward and to try to be present was, it was the last time I heard her, I can remember hearing her voice and it was in a dream, which is just so funny to me. Mm. Uh, it was about a year afterwards in the middle of COVID and I was just sleeping in my bed in Canada. And um, in the dream, I was sitting in a car and I knew I was going to be, I had been asked to do a workshop of of Camelot. And yeah, I, I uh, was in a car and I just like felt her hands, like as if she was in the back seat of the car, like touch my shoulders. And like, I could like see her in the rear view mirror. And she just said, on earth, we are briefly gorgeous. Mm. We were briefly gorgeous. And I just woke up and I was just like, ah, oh, damn. Like, yeah. So like, just be here. Just be gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just just live the life that you want to live and be kind and be loving and try to bring that to people. But and, and that's like the kind of energy I have tried to cultivate 
for a long time in my life, but I'm definitely trying to cultivate it in this, in this Camelot process. And I feel her all the time, you know, like, uh, I don't know that it's really a, a moment or an instance. It just is the state of being that I feel like I'm existing in. And, uh, trying to like remember like how she held me accountable and things like that, you know, uh, remember her and keep her alive through the things that she taught me. Wow. Definitely. That is beautiful. Jordan, I'm really impressed by you. I mean, I, I also, I'm currently kind of going through a tough time grieving the loss of a friend who passed away suddenly. And it's been tough trying to reckon with like, with, with, with mortality and what, you know, the, the moments we get to share with people and remembering the last ones we did, or, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to this friend. So there have been, there have been so many moments where I'm like wishing for clarity and wishing for answers and hoping I, I could have a dream or something. But I think that grief, hopefully through time provides answers, whether it's real ones or ones you find within yourself or, Gosh, I love this dream that you had because not only I, I love the idea of you being in a car, because obviously if we're in a car, we're going somewhere and, you know, you feel her with you but and she's behind you because that's where she is, you know, both technically and really, I mean, in your life, like holding on to you. So I think that is so profound. I love that. And I'm so glad you were able to have that moment. And I thank you for sharing it. No, I, I, I thank you both for receiving it. And I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your friend it never gets easier you know it's like once we feel things i always say like just like love like grief doesn't go away it just evolves it changes how you're able to like handle it changes just like we never really stop loving people it just it just changes yeah <laughs> for sure well i'm curious too about this production of camelot because it's it's reimagined, right? I think that's the word that's mostly being used about it. And to be honest with you, I don't have much experience with any version of Camelot really at all. So I'm excited to go into this blind. And I guess that's not a great transition in me asking you, what can you say about how this is reimagined? <laughs> well, I, I don't know what I, you know, no one, no one says what you can or can't say. I, I can say that I, won't say a lot because I want you guys to have your own experience and I want people to have their own experience. But I can say too, in a very non-hyperbolic sense, that this is more of a new show than it is a revival. Like so and, and I, I love that. I love that too. I mean Aaron Sorkin has has written a new script. The songs are are still there and the music's still there and the story's still there. But we're attacking we're attacking the piece um, from a different angle. And I think people will be pleasantly surprised by what magic, what the idea of magic is and how magic can be found in reality. You know, um, the original piece, I think, was definitely existed in that more fantastical fantasy, uh, fairy tale, -y, brid like bridging on fairy tale, but not quite there, but that sci-fi fantasy, that, um, you know, black cauldron-y, that, Mm -hmm. that sword in the stony feeling because that's what it is and that's beautiful the way i have been describing this to people is like that's a version like that is a version of a story right like we tell a story i could tell you guys a story then you guys can go and tell someone else and then telephone that story a hundred years in time and all of a sudden what kind of story is it right right what we, we've tried to do is distill that down to a reality 
that then you could take and build a fantasy out of, mm. you know? So, so it's, it's more of a, a distillation of that fantasy where fantasy still exists, but it, but you're grappling with your reality as well, you know? And, and that is, that is so compelling to me and very real. It's very real. And, um, and I think the staging is going to surprise a lot of people. This, the set is, I don't want, I don't want to, I, I don't know. want to anything away. I only, know. Because, on, on, only because it's, it's, I could say it's a, it's different than anything I've seen Bart do. Hmm. Uh, um, and it's, uh, it's a style that is much more international than it is like American, uh, which is very cool. Um, and the Beaumont, you were speaking about uh, how the doll's house feels very intimate, which is mm. beautiful. That's what I love about the Beaumont. I don't know if either of you have seen productions there, but it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's the second largest stage in New York. So you can get as grand and massive as you want, but the house is so mm-hmm. just right there, you know, it's like, it's hugging you. So you don't really have to, you don't want to do too much. So you can get that epic feeling while still being like, dropped in into the middle of this crazy beautiful world and um the way that we're doing it is really i think highlighting the talents of everybody on stage um the the work of andrew and philippa is heartbreakingly gorgeous and funny Uh, and uh it's it's like watching a an episode of a real real housewife (laughs) okay i'm sold jordan you need to know i'm a huge housewives fan yeah 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 but like slap some (laughs) slap some like house of the dragon game of thrones medieval on it and and it's okay you know it's it's we're having fun it's great and there's real armor and there's exciting things to be seen (laughs) i don't want to say too much so excited well i think there's so much like mystery around this production Mm -hmm. that i I don't think anyone really knows what to expect which i think yeah we've we've only gotten the one visual which is of the the three of you and you're wearing incredible costumes i must say i love your hair yeah those are uh those are like singalese twists they're um, twists yes yeah they might be there for the show they might be something else it might be closer to what you see right here Okay. okay which i love as well Yes, okay. Yeah. Okay. Dylan was Dylan was saying that it was giving like Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, like promo yes. teaser, which it really was. It looks mm-hmm. epic. Yes, yes. A Bart and Bart directed that. I mean, Bart. It, that's another reason that I love working with him is because he directs in every single medium. So, which is thing that myself, I think every artist wants the chance to be seen and not boxed in, you know, to any sort of type or medium or anything, because that's not who anybody is as a person. So to be led by someone who has opera background, theater background, play like plays, international works, movies, now starting his own production company, getting into television, now doing commercials, obviously doing Broadway's like, it's really, it's really inspiring to watch and see and be a part of uh, another artist, especially someone who you admire so much as, as I do Bart. And I think oh, everyone yeah. uh, to see that evolution is really cool. Really, really. Totally. Cool. Yeah. He's one of those prolific directors of our time. I mean, I've loved everything I've seen that he's put on stage. Did he do My Fair Lady? He did. Yeah. Okay. So that was when Connor and I were first in the, in the Beaumont and got to see you. Nice. Absolutely. You're soaring vocals. I mean, you talk about like the way that, that stage is with the thrust. I mean, yeah. you made a moment 
with on the street where you live. That, that was is so remarkable. Come see Camelot. <laughs> okay. Well, if the one of the only songs that I know is "If Ever I Would Leave You," and I think that's mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know a Robert Goulet classic. Goulet, goulash with Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> a little, I'm a little different. Yeah, I'm a little different than Robert Goulet. Uh, but Goulet is great. Goulet is great, and that the original Camelot is is. It's an interesting piece because you like um, it's one of those that kind of did cross into the pop charts, strangely mm-hmm. enough, back in the day. Right. right. Julianne, Robert Goulet and Richard, Richard Harris, Burton. Burton. Yeah. Both 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 the Richards. But it's one that people anybody who I've talked to has always kind of been like, love the music. It's a little long. <laughs> the book's a little, huh? But love the music, you know, and it obviously is. It toured for ages. I feel mm-hmm. like it's still touring somewhere. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's America's Shin Yoon. But uh... <laughs> not Shen Yoon. <laughs> I was just staring at Shen Yoon ads in the subway yesterday, and they have like a whole installation in one of the subway cars. And there was a poll quote from Kate Blanchett on one of them. And it was like, it's absolutely stunning. Oscar winner, Kate Blanchett. I was crying. Amazing. Amazing. They, wow. I, it's amazing what they're doing. Uh, I, I've never seen it, but no. Geez, at this point, I'm like, well, for effort, I feel like I have to at least see what that's about. <laughs> but, uh, but no, Camelot is, it's, uh, it's filled with amazing music. And I, I think we have an amazing script that uh, fits the music, the way that everyone's interpreting the music, I think also will help people see and hear it in a way that's both, and this is why I love Bart especially as a revival director, because he honors what came before while pushing it into where we are today slash where we could go, what kind of mistakes are we as human beings still making, you know, like, Oh yeah. And that's, that's, you know, you're going to get that, you know, you're going to get the lush, the lushness of a, of a Bart Shear revival. Cause again, we, we also have a 30 piece orchestra under Ooh. the very, talented direction of one kim grigsby Ooh. and uh, and her orchestrations for this show are you know it's it's gonna go- be very cool You're, you <laughs> have me sold i can't wait well i mean to your point about bart like that my fair lady revival which the with the ending of it was so iconic i mean yeah. I, I liked it so nice i had to go twice you know mm-hmm. it was really moving yeah. yeah i mean and that's the thing with bart you know, and I think it's it's the thing with with any solid piece of anything like you I, you feel very strongly about it one way or the other. You know, there's not a lot of in between with a lot of that work because some people absolutely despise that. But like, great. <laughs> However, because because it's art, right? Like we're, all we're trying to do is ask some questions. We're not up there trying to say we have any answers. You know, yes. we have we have ideas. We're trying to hypothesize but we're not trying to come to any absolutes and uh, you know, that's for the audience to decide that that's where, that's really where the piece lives. And that's what I love too, about the ideas contained within a story like Camelot. It's a very philosophical play and it's very important to where we're at as a society right now, especially as uh, you know, a lot of the American ideals were forged and thought of from the Arthurian story, which comes from France and Thomas Jefferson and all those guys loved the, you know, got got a lot of their ideas of democracy from the French. So, right. 
And you know so a little bit about Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Funny enough, I played a lot of French characters in my hmm. uh, in my last seven years. Raoul is French. Thomas Jefferson is a Francophile. Marquis de Lafayette was French. Um, now I'm back playing another Frenchman. It's great. Was your character in Charmed French? I've, I apologize for not having seen it. It's okay. That's okay. You do not have to apologize for that at all. Uh, it is on Netflix. Shameless plug. If nice. people out there do want to watch it. It, but, it is um, weird that I haven't seen it because so, my sort of like target favorite kind of TV show is glossy CW steamy teen drama in which something sort of supernatural may or may not be occurring. So it's weird. Yeah. It's weird we that it I haven't. You. Yeah. You did. It's literally for you. I don't know what you're doing, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I need to step it up. That's okay. That There's so much content out there. It, like I said, it's now all of it's out. So you can watch it. You can watch it all in one week if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, but Charmed was, Charmed was a, a, a very nice experience. And I learned a lot. And uh, the people out there, I love Canada. My gosh, I love Canada. What part were you filming in? We were in Vancouver. Vancouver, okay. Is that where Riverdale also films? Riverdale, Batwoman was up there. Okay. Uh, Bat- a famously uh, troubled set, but we won't get into that. But. Famously <laughs> troubled set. No. Yes. <laughs> I can't I can't believe I'm talking to a CW series regular who isn't on Instagram. You're honestly a <laughs> dime a dozen, Jordan. Hilarious. I couldn't <laughs> I can't. You saw me trying to get onto this Zoom thing like <laughs> I took over the CW's Instagram account for one day on Charmed and tried to get like really artistic with it and like really let you into the artistic process. And they basically were like, we don't really want that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well then you can get someone else to do it. I'm good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gave it a shot. Yeah. I was like, all right. Like, if you don't want my uh, opinion on character, I also was like, they were like, well, it has to be about the show. And I was like, well, if you actually watch the show, you would know that I'm talking about the show because I'm showing you the boxing lessons that I'm at because I'm a boxer on the show and I teach boxing on the show and it's integral to one of the characters growth, not mine, but one of the sisters characters growth in mm. terms of her self-defense hand-to-hand combat on the show, which I mentioned in the post. So that's okay. You guys just don't watch the show. I'll just, <laughs> Clearly. I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just go. I'll, you guys could have this account back and I'll just go do my thing somewhere else. So you had to download the app and everything on your phone or did they give you like a company phone or? I was like, I don't have Instagram. And they're like, that's okay. Like, we'll give you the login. You just have to have the app on your phone. So I downloaded it on my phone just for that day. And uh, I did it literally for like three hours in the morning. And I got like a message from them saying like, oh, it has to be about the show. And I was like, it is about the show. And that again, just told me like, they don't actually watch the show. So I, uh, I was, I was like, I'm good. I have other things to do with my life. Right. And, and I the account back, deleted everything I posted, deleted it off my phone and haven't looked back since. That's my one so, Instagram uh, interaction. Major props to you for that. That's amazing. Well, having done television now while you were doing it, were you like, Oh, I love this so much. This is for me. Or was your heart like, I want to be on stage singing or doing something different. Well, like I said, like it kind of came at the perfect time where I wasn't, too keen to be singing ah that's right okay right it was weird because i i wanted to get into it so i could spend more time with my family but then covid hit so like still couldn't spend time with family and uh i was we were we were still filming in canada which was a blessing you know we we really we stopped for like five months but that's like a normal hiatus Mm -hmm. so 
um, you know, I got to work through it all, which was fantastic. And it allowed me the space to come to a place with my singing that uh, I could find it for myself and fall in love with it again. And I, I was very happy to be doing television and film. In fact, but, but compared to the theater schedule that I'm used to, I wanted, and I kept like, I was, I was, in, I'm interested in doing more. Uh, Cause the job I had on, on Charmed was pretty, I don't want to say it was easy. It had its difficulties for sure. And the, the women who, who led the show definitely had a much harder schedule and, and different things were asked. And it was their show, you know, I'm there to support. That. So it definitely energized me to want to do more, in that realm, maybe not network television, but like other forms of television, um, because of the restrictive nature of net form or network television too. Like you could say, like kind of want to be able to say whatever, um, or like, you know, really go for it as an actor, you know, not have, not that I'm going to say all of the things in the book, but if I want right. to say God, I, I feel like I should be able to say God. Yeah. But, um, so uh yeah i'm I'm interested definitely in continuing in that medium making films is something i'm definitely uh I've, I've done a little bit of in the past but would like to continue to pursue uh but theater will always be my first love and i've i love singing um so as long as i can and as long as there's a show that i think is interesting enough um then yeah i'll i'll continue to do it for sure that's great now you mentioned the like a little bit at the beginning of our chat that phantom was one of your markers for your cultural markers, perhaps um, in a ring of keys journey. And then yeah. to get to do it on Broadway, was that totally surreal? I mean, that was your debut, right? Was. Um, How wild. Yeah. When I like actually stop sometimes and talk out loud, which I don't do often. Um, it doesn't even sound real to me, um, which I, which I think again, often real life is more interesting than the stories that we create. It's, um, it was surreal. I, I had auditioned for Les Mis because I was still technically in college. I moved here for my senior year internship mm. in 2015, December of 2015. And um, was just like auditioning on the side when I could, like on lunch breaks and stuff or in the morning before work. And um, yeah, I, the first audition I actually had in New York when I moved, moved was for the national tour of Phantom. Okay to understudy Rao and it was like a one day process made it to the end and they straight up were like we think you're very good and that this would be a waste of your time so we're not going to cast you in this and I was and I said to them I was like this is my favorite show like I'll sweep I'll sweep the stage it was for the right. tour and I was like they're like no 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 like no and I was like all right whatever I let it go and then audition for other things and had booked some other work for the summer and yeah, the opportunity to audition for the Broadway production came around like two months later. And I was in my head, I was like, okay, well, I know they think I could play the role. So let me just like not be worse than I was last time. <laughs> uh, and I always try to get better every day. So yeah, I just went in and it was like a two week process, sang with a few Christines. And yeah, yeah that was it. Uh, they only gave me a three month contract to start. <clears throat> oh. But you know, whatever. Uh, Wait, that's so, it, is, is that like how Phantom does it? They like to like plug people in and out, or were they just like, we don't know about you? Um, number two, I think, because oh. I was I was twenty one when they first met me. But you know, that's fine. I don't. I my whole life, I I, I 
not by everybody, but you know, we all go through our fair share of being underestimated or doubted. Sure. And I always say, there's nothing anybody can do for me that's better for me than to, than to think I can't do something. Mm. Tell me I can't and I'll show you I can. That whole, that whole. Yeah, it's that Michael Jordan complex. Yeah. That's why I took it personal. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you were certainly young and it was also a, a historical moment for them. They didn't care about that. Annoyingly so, I'm sure they didn't. Let's be real. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Amsterdam News cared, and that's cool because that's a historically black um, mm-hmm. publication here in New York City. Yeah, that's cool. I'm not about to like that was that was amazing, but like the company like caring at that time, like because because I I did the show with Ali. Oh, understandably love. so. I love her too. My God, she's an amazing woman. So it was like a big it was a big deal for the Asian community and everything, and that's that's great. Mm. Uh, but uh, again, because. Yeah, but I got what I needed from that process. It was amazing. I didn't like I was just happy to be there. I loved everyone. Everyone in the building was incredible. Uh, and I got to learn the show from Jillian Lynn and Denny Barry and Hal Prince himself. So like I mean, when again, not being hyperbolic, I am of the belief that musical theater as an art form is not what it is without Hal Prince and the fact that this man who comes from a background of being a stage manager while producing, while you know, pajama, like cut to pajama game back in the day? Mm-hmm. Something you—that's a—that's a level of hustle you don't see that often. Bart reminds me a lot of how, and this this man in his nineties came to my put in, and Ali's put in, and like, who are we, you know? <laughs> and, and, and and then walks up three flights of stairs at intermission of the put in just to say I'm doing a good job, you know, like. It's it's things like that that have meant more to me in this business than anything else. And mm. so then like not to be that way, but when you do how Prince's show for him in a theater of just him and afterwards he's saying to the whole company that he's stayed awake for the first time in ages, that it's like <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, great, like there's not much else that I need in terms of validation for what I can do in this career and in this life. Like great <laughs> like that's yeah. cool like because that's who i like these are the people that's who i looked up to and and was lucky enough to be in the room for at, with and learn from as uh, same with jillian lynn like right anytime i'm around people who who do what i do and who who i look up to no matter what that is in life like i just i just want to soak up their wisdom and their energy and and learn from that and uh i've had that experience and so to so to work with him and then Going, I did the Frozen workshops as well, and then I I went into Hamilton, which I felt like was at the beginning of what Phantom is. You know, like mm-hmm. Hamilton was at the beginning of trying to become a Wicked, a Phantom, uh, and so I I had this understanding of what it takes to be that from a certain level, and then trying to see them put that together was a very interesting. You know, sure, I'm yeah, very conscious of watching that and observing that in my time in Hamilton and yada, 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 yada. But yeah, Phantom was awesome. Um, those people are awesome. Uh, the guy who was my dresser, Terrence, he's been the row dresser for 30 years at Phantom oh of the Opera. He was planning on retiring from there. And when I saw they were closing, I, I reached out and I was like, hey, bro, I know you're planning on retiring. I don't know if you are now that the show is closing. I don't know like what your vibe is, but I would love to have you come be my dresser at, at Camelot. So he's... His last day of Phantom actually was uh, last week, and um, 
he's gonna come over to Camelot and be my dresser. Oh my goodness, that's so special. (laughs) It is, but that and that's the thing about what we do. You know, like you forge connections with these people, and you know, you read a story about Danny Burstein, who's an amazing human being, one of the best on the planet, and in this business, who like always has the same dresser. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's genius. Like if you vibe with someone, why not? And right. with Terrence, it just worked out. And he was my first one here in New York. And that's the phantom thing. And I just love that guy. And I was back oh. there this summer and it was nice. And I'll always have a, a spot in my heart for that show. The phantom obviously is the role that I would always love to play, but I don't think it's meant to be. And that is a okay. Hey, you never oh, know. Never yeah. Know. Yeah. But I mean, like I had dreams of like, my dreams of playing it were like, look totally different. And that's often how it goes. Like mm. I never thought I would play a role like Rao. I never saw myself. I don't relate to that character mm-hmm. as much as other people might perceive. And this is the funny thing about playing the characters that I do. I think it's, it's, it's fun to play against how I'm actually perceived in my own real life, because I am not actually like in certain instances, I might be perceived how I'm perceived in Camelot, but like other characters I, I play, are not really who I like. It's not who I am. So, sure. so they are very much characters. Same with Lancelot, but uh, you know, uh, what I'm excited about in that is Lancelot's a man, and I think a lot of the characters that people have seen me play, other than Lafayette and Jefferson, are boys. Mm-hmm. That's not Lancelot is not a boy at all. Oh, that's so exciting, Jordan! You are just a wealth of so many cool stories and knowledge and. And I mean, well, we're gonna have to have you back if you, if you'll come back at some point. That would mean a lot. Yeah, to us. like I said, I talk too much. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the issue is you're like giving us such great stuff that I am wanting to know more. And then I'm like, well, wait, we haven't even touched this, 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 or that. But <laughs> I am obsessed with everything you're saying. Like, really quick about Hamilton. When you look back on that, that was because you were doing it at the start of it, like you were saying, at the start of its cultural phenomenon moment. Yeah. Was that yeah. so cool to bring it to audiences? It was mostly on the West Coast, right? It was. It was. Um, Francisco and LA. Yeah. I mean, I would be lying if I said it didn't totally change my life. Okay. Drama, drama. That would be a lie. Every experience I have had in my life though, has totally changed my life. Uh, But the evolution of that, and that's what I I talked to my homies about it because I still have very great friends from that. Some of my best friends in life from that experience. That was a hard show. Mm. Like very, very hard. But the people that we were doing it with like the, the cast was amazing some of the hardest working people some of the most talented artists uh, that i've ever worked with and um it was beautiful because we would all talk real you know it was uh it was a great great experience but out, what was greater were the experiences that we got to have outside of the space of hamilton you know like just being in hamilton I would, I'm not going to say just being in Hamilton because that's not entirely true. Like, cause you can be in something and still, you know, you have to show up and do the job. Right. Being a part of that was, uh, was great. And I got to meet so many cool people and go to so many cool places and see so many cool things that like not a whole lot of people get to see um, in terms of like, Pixar and Skywalker Ranch and all of these other um, Hollywood type places just as a fan of them, but also like to learn from the people that work there and just see how it actually works, you know, and um, pick their brain, which was great for them too. Cause like they, they, they don't know, they, they shared with me, they don't always view themselves as artists. Mm. I was like, ah, you guys are, are definitely artists. 
uh, we're all artists. It's just how we how we choose to portray that art is different. Mm-hmm. But it was That's so it, dreamy. Wow. Yeah, things like that were amazing. And then LA was great, and San Diego was great, and then I was out. <laughs> I was like. And that cast, uh, I mean, Josh Henry, Emmy, Saleya, Matheny, Ruben, uh, everybody, everybody. Rory O'Malley. Rory, yeah. His husband went to my high school, fun fact. Oh, wow. Gerald, right? That's correct. That is yeah. correct. <laughs> That's so, so fun. fun. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but before we say goodbye, we usually... And by usually, I mean we always, except for in one episode, but I won't tell you which one it was. We always end with a dose of drama, <laughs> which is a pop culture recommendation, something you're thinking about, want to rant about, rave about, promote, mention to our listeners so they can go out into the world and think about. And I do have a dose of drama today. I, I feel like this is such an odd one for me, but for the first time <laughs> in my life, I went to see a psychic recently, and it was a fascinating, interesting not totally accurate but sometimes extremely accurate experience and this woman is the real deal so if you're interested in seeing a psychic dm me and i will tell you where to go she went viral on tiktok recently which is not how i found it but how my friend found it and so have was... the email that i'll have okay so... oh yeah you're yes, right yes, yes, wait yes. an email is like a vintage dm in a way yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> to the inbox but anyway it was just such a like i mentioned i've been going through kind of a tough time and it was interesting to talk to somebody who could totally affirm or give some interesting advice about every aspect of my life that i'm curious about not just the things that i'm struggling with so it was kind of cool and very different for me it was my first visit to a psychic i'm proud of you for doing that connor now i'm like worried that i'm gonna be obsessed with what she said and i'm gonna make it like my truth forever. And I, oh, I, need to, I need to be like a little more chill about it, which was also some advice she gave me was I need to chill the fuck out. So anyway, Dylan, do you have a dose of drama? I do. So Jordan, you mentioned that you went to high school with Rory O'Malley's husband, but I did read online. You also went to school with somebody else. That's pretty important at one point in your life that you went to school with them. And I want to make sure this is either real or rumor. Did you know Miley Cyrus? at some point in her life i did yeah i now whether or not she would ever remember me is like a whole other thing but i do have uh the yearbook somewhere fun best of all of my life and i saved it i could send you a picture via email once we're done i would love that that like, cause she is a year older than me. And so like on one, like it's literally like one page, there's me and then you flip the page and it's, there's her, but her, you know, her real name is Destiny Hope. So like, oh, I didn't, right. I didn't know, like, I remember what being in middle school and like watching Hannah Montana because Billy Ray was on there. And I was like, I was like, I had to have gone to school with her. Right. Like I know. Cause okay. This is my drama. I, <laughs> I accidentally, um, Pantsed her brother again. I don't know if you would ever remember this. We were in <laughs> second grade, okay, second grade. Right, I accidentally right. pantsed her brother on the playground. He was wearing like you remember when like jean shorts were cool, but like the longer jean shorts that went mm-hmm. past the knee, all not like almost to the mid calf, but just above that. They were like kind of the rapper nineties. I don't know how old you guys are. We're, we're twenty nine. Oh, okay, so we're the same age. Yeah, yeah same okay. age, same age. Cool, cool, cool. So okay, so he was wearing some of those. They were a little too big. We're playing some football. Someone threw a ball. I was running for it. I bumped him in the arm, turned back to say sorry, and his pants were at his ankles. Uh, So that's like my drama. But uh, we also, but we also play like some, we play like baseball against each other and things like that. Brayson is his name. Cool kid from what I remember. They would always come in, um, 
trick or treat in our neighborhood because it was only one neighborhood at the time and they lived like up on the hill. But yeah, Billy Ray Cyrus would come to our school. It was Heritage Elementary School. They had just oh been gosh. built down there. Um, he would come to our school and sing Achy Breaky Heart. Because <laughs> <laughs> what else would he do? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, was that, it was that time. Like, yeah. It was, it was uh, you know, I remember going to the Grand Ole Opry and seeing Brad Paisley and Shania Twain. Oh my gosh. And, um, you know, like just as they were blowing up, you know. So, and Billy Gilman was my dog. I saw him on The Voice, and I was like, this guy was a child superstar. Because right, he was young when he was famous first, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned to sing, to, like, listening to Billy Gilman. Let's go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I did. We did. To say that I knew her, quote, unquote, would be a, a bit of a stretch. But to say that we had interactions, yeah, we did. And uh, But we were children. You know, we were, right. we were kindergarten, first, second, third grade. Wow. Yeah. That's so yeah. funny. You never know where people are going to end up. You don't. Other people say that about you, Jordan, though. You know, people who watch Charmed and, and have seen you on stage, they say, you know, I went to elementary school with him, but he would never remember me. You know, maybe they do. Maybe. But like, I went to, because I went to a few elementary, you know, I, I, I moved around a lot. Uh, so like whether or not and how people, people from high school, maybe, maybe a couple from middle school, but like probably, probably not. But maybe I'd be surprised. I also underestimate myself. But um, yeah. but I would love to meet Miley Cyrus as adults just to be like, how crazy is it that we like I, I would love to pick her brain about what she remembers about that town because it was it was literally a one stoplight town. When I, when I tell people where I live, they always think like it's bougie because I think that's what it is now. I haven't been oh. back since middle school, but but it, back then it was a one stoplight town, you know when we moved there, there was no school. They built that school. And like, we were like the first kids to go to that school. So um, oh yeah, the nineties, baby, let's go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us and your fun dose of drama that had to do with them. Thank you so much for spending this, this busy time of your, of your day with us. I mean, your life, I should say, I mean, we're so excited for Camelot and we, I speak for both Connor and I, when I say that I, I think we shared a really wonderful special conversation tonight and it meant a lot to us and i think our listeners are gonna love you even more uh, it meant a lot to me thank you both for uh for doing this and for bringing theater to the people and and uh and for being so cool like easy conversation that's like that's awesome i'm looking oh. forward to meeting you guys in real life hit me up when you come to see the show you can count on it thank you so much for your for your generosity of spirit y'all y'all are great Oh my goodness. Oh, thank That's you so cool. much, Jordan. And you're not on social media. This is usually where we're like, everybody go follow Jordan, but go see him in Camelot. And also if you're like on Instagram and you're like, wait, I want to follow Jordan. You should definitely go follow the drama podcast. You should follow me at Connor McDowell and Dylan at Dylan McDowell. Dylan, I stole your spiel, but I felt it's right. right. It's all right. We'll be sharing pictures of Jordan so you can see his lovely face and everything <laughs> else that's going on here and see the hair situation that may or may not be a part of Camelot. So it's, it's a show on its own. It it's is a show. a show on its own. Listen, <laughs> it has an address. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Connor. Well, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.